Welcome to podcast number 39, Success and Failure. I wanted to cover this topic in particular for some time because in all the midst of all the turmoil that we face, I think that sometimes we overlook how successful we really are in our, with our lives and with our mental illness. The illness and the emotional baggage that follows often weighs us down to the point that we just don't see how well we are actually doing. Now, I believe with the correct approach and some guidance from the Lord, those who suffer actually can live very meaningful, effective, and successful lives, even if they all, they can't always see it. Now, I've often pondered what success really looks like for someone who is suffering from mental illness. I mean success in managing the illness and in life, as they generally go together. As I've pondered my own life, I can tell you that I far more often have focused on what wasn't working or what wasn't right, rather than what might be working. And rarely have I taken a more holistic view and asked whether or not I was really being successful managing my illness over the long term. In fact, I can say that I never really considered it what successful treatment of the illness over the long term might be. And I think that everyone could agree that if their symptoms were entirely gone one day without significant side effects of treatment, that might be considered success. But it's not very likely for too many of us. I know that I had several bad days and several very good days. And if you ask me, I would say that the bad days far outnumbered the good. And I think that's true for most people. But I don't ever remember counting the good days. And so I don't think that I could even tell you the percentage of bad to good. If you had asked me the question, how many good days do you think that you had? I would say probably very few, as most of my memories would bring up the more dark, negative aspects of the disease and when it wasn't. I do think that it's very natural to focus on what's not right in our lives compared to what is. I even believe that the mental illness often helps or pushes us along to focus more on the destructive negative nature of our symptoms, rather on those things which are actually going quite right in our lives. Now, if I were to tell you that while I was battling a severe to moderate form of bipolar, uh, I had eight children, graduated with a bachelor's and a master's degree, obtained good employment in the commercial construction field, have maintained a strong testimony of the Savior in his gospel, have a wonderful marriage to an angel of a wife, and have actually enjoyed success in my career and life within the church. You might just you might say just the opposite about my experiences. It seems that the management of the illness was successful in many ways, and that's just it. I never felt successful in my illness management. But when I see the larger picture, it does appear that it has happened in many ways. I still feel very inadequate as a father. I was not, and for the most part, still not able to do a lot of things with my children that would be normal fathers could do with their children. I've often been sick and symptom-stranded when it comes to those things of a more normal nature. Yet my children seem to be well-adjusted, actually doing very well in their lives, despite what I see lacking in me as a father. Now, I can certainly point to their mother and blame her for a job well done, and she deserves probably all the credit anyone can give her. But what I find so very interesting about my illness, or about this type of illness, is my ability to only see failure and not really see the whole picture. Now, I'm not sure if my narrow-mindedness comes from the illness or just a natural part of man, but it seems certainly to be a defining piece of my experiences. I don't see myself as successfully managing my illness 
because all I can see are the things I didn't or couldn't do, rather than those things I could do and the overall picture of my life. Now, my story is probably somewhat unique in many respects, and I would say the same thing about almost everybody's story, but I don't think that our outcomes are all that unique. Success can be measured certainly in a variety of ways. I think that my issue is one that probably cuts across a wide swath of people who have mental illness. My comparisons have always been to other individuals, fathers, husbands, members, families, and so forth. I have often measured my failures to the success of my brothers and sisters, both familial and church members. I have rarely, if ever, measured success considering simply my own unique characteristics and the trials of my own life. I seem to forget how different we all are, and that when I compare my life to another, in the end, it's not a true comparison. The reality is, is that my situation is so unique, comparing my life to any other, to divine success or not, really isn't possible. The truth is that comparison to any other person, family, group, individual, or otherwise, is not real or real accurate. I have been given a set of personal trials like everyone else, blessings, talents, understanding, spirituality, with which to work and to compare my output to someone else's output who is dealing with a completely different set of issues is really a false narrative. And yet, I still do it. Perhaps you do too. Now, sometimes I think it's probably more natural to man and even more natural to the mental illness to do so. So how can you measure measure success in life when you have a mental illness or even other some you know other type of constraining difficulty in your life. I think that in order to answer the question, it's important to understand some of the things we do to complicate the equation and try to avoid these mistakes. The first of these problems that we create as human beings is call what I like to call taking our temperature regularly. Am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Am I at peace? Now, when we ask these questions, more often than not, we reach down and peer into the well of current emotions and say, well, it looks as though I feel maybe a little tired and down today, so I guess I'm not in the happy range. Then we measure our entire body of work up to that point in time and our entire level of peace and happiness by dropping a rock and string into the emotions well and seeing how deep it goes in that one moment. We then apply that one measurement to the entire whole. Happy, peace, happiness, peace, fulfillment are not moment-in-time measurements. Sure, one can be at peace, one can be happy, and one can be fulfilled at any one moment in time, but the same is true about every other emotion. Happiness should rarely be measured by simply one moment or one drop of a string into the well. In that moment, placed up on the mantle as my happy moment in life then life becomes about recreating that particular moment of happiness rather than a more complete picture of your life. Happiness, peace, fulfillment, and other types of positive outcomes should be viewed over a period of time if we really desire to measure such things. Ultimately, I think we spend far too much time measuring and evaluating and simply far too little time living and not being that concerned about it. We focused less on the moments in time type of measurement and focused on what brings happiness and fulfillment. The odds are that happiness and fulfillment will be the result of our actions and thoughts. Our body's emotions, especially those in the mental illness vortex, are going to be deceptive at times. And while we 
while we might feel down and depressed and as, and as if life is falling apart, the reality is we are doing just fine and we are probably far happier than we really think we are. Now, the second of these mistakes is that it is important to have the correct standard if you're going to judge things as happiness, peace, and fulfillment. If you compare your happiness to other people's happiness, you're going to spend a great deal of time wondering why they are happier than you, when in reality they probably aren't. We all have the tendency to put our best foot forward when we're in public situations, and this is especially true when those public situations involve groups like the Church of Jesus Christ, where moral standards are high and where action is the outward expression of the standard. I have on many occasions, far too many, put forth a good masking face and walked into church. On the inside, I felt terrible, down, discouraged, without desire to be there. But you would not have known it by my countenance. I exuded that everything was going well in my world, that I was happy to be there. We want others to think that we are doing well. We want to be chosen. We want to be on the winning team. We want to be included. And we will, by our natures, do just about anything for that to happen. So when we do compare our lives with others, we generally take all of the reality, messy reality of our lives and all of the trials we face, and we put it up against the other person who may be hurting just as much as we are, but is actually putting forth a very good facade. The standards we choose should be true standards, and the ones that we do, that do not change with the winds of society. Now, the third thing we do wrong, when everything goes wrong in life, we have a tendency to allow the moment to overwhelm the wider picture. Yes, things go wrong in our lives, at least from our own perspective. There are going to be disappointments, losses, hurt, failings, all and so much more. It is even more true when mental illness brings us down into the depths of a mental anguish. It is unwise in almost every respect to view our success and failures from the deepest point of depression or anxiety. The same can be true for, in a different way for those who suffer bipolar highs. Our view from these perspectives will always be skewed to one side or another. You will never be able to see yourselves as you truly are from either perspective. Our minds have become altered in the mental illness states, in both states, both the highs and the lows. And the altered mind is no place to begin a discussion about how you're doing in life. Oh, there is great tendency to do so, and perhaps even some strong nudging by the adversary that you should. However, when you know that you are in the midst of mental illness episodes, best to hold on and leave that evaluation to a later date. I know far easier said than done because there is great pressure in the depression to do that. But there is no real value in the perspective as it's going to be skewed to such an extent that is actually of little value to you or anyone else. This then begs us, brings us to the question, what are the standards for happiness, fulfillment, and peace? So how in the world can I know if I'm succeeding or failing in life? How do I know when I'm doing well and when I'm not, especially when the emotions inside of me are so deceptive? The first thing you're going to have to do is consciously evaluate what is success to you. What is fulfillment? What does it look like, sound like, and feel like? What are you looking to accomplish and what are your goals? Now, when I say this, I realize that most of us have goals, temporally and spiritually. We desire exaltation, celestial marriage, perfect children, of course, fulfilling career, and of course, developing talents, perhaps in music, art, science, theater, and so forth. But how do you measure that you are successful in those endeavors when you are in the midst of the battle? Now, for most of us, we think of being successful as 
this moment in time when I was successful, a point at which the goal is reached. For instance, talking about exaltation, the moment we are judged worthy of exaltation, that is when success is reached. But for me to have reached that goal of exaltation, I had to be successful on a particular path for a significant period of time, meaning I had to be successful in the practice and the, all of the events leading up to the attainment of the goal. So success for me isn't that moment in time, but maintaining the path to the goal. What is the path? The daily things we do to stay on course. If we're doing those things to stay on a particular path, then we should consider ourselves successful, even when we might stumble or we have not reached or obtained the goal. If we are practicing the piano daily and with correct methodology, we should obtain the goal of pianist if that is what we desire. Now, the same is true for spiritual events and practice if we are trying to obtain exaltation. Success should be defined by our daily actions, weekly actions, rather than just the attainment of the ultimate goal. So what are your goals? What should be your goals? And what daily actions are you taking to get to be where you want to be? The second thing to note is what are my limitations? What limitations do you have? You have to take into account those limitations in your life. If you have a mental illness, you probably don't want to admit to your limitations as they make you feel weak and vulnerable. And nobody likes that feeling. However, if you're honest about your limitations, you will actually find life to be far more enjoyable. Not only do I deal with depression, but I also have a couple of autoimmune illnesses. Okay, I actually have three of them. They limit my physical abilities quite a bit in many ways. If I want to go out and build the chicken coop for my wife, then I understand that I have some limitations. I will likely need to set aside more time than most people. I will need to be able to say that my body's done what it is and not push it too far that I get further ill. Same is true for mental illness. If you know that you're gonna if you know that going to church is gonna be difficult, understand the difficulty and the limitation. Rather than stay for entire church service and cause undue distress, go and stay for what you can. If that's the entire time, great. If not, you did what you could. The same is true for reading scriptures, attending the temple, and so forth. Understand your limitations. Discuss those with your spouse, parents, friends, whomever. A counselor, a good friend or a family member that knows you might be able to help you also pick out some limitations and help. My wife does this for me on a regular basis. Now, important note about picking limitations. Understand that the difficulty with limitation, understand that the difficulty with limitations in mental illness is that your limitations are actually going to change on a regular basis. And you're going to need to change with them. Rather than say that your limitation is you can only attend sacrament, say that you're going to go to church each Sunday for as long as you can. This allows for the times when the limitations are less pronounced and you can attend all of church. In other words, you're probably going to have to set your goals differently than most people. Your goals are going to have to be centered around effort and the moment in time, rather than the more simplistic version of reading a chapter of Book of Mormon every day. Your efforts and planning may need to have some greater clarification as well. Often to help with goal setting, we'll do things like saying we're going to get, get up and read our scriptures at 6 a.m. every morning. This planning provides for a goal to be reached, but when we are not able to accomplish it, we feel as a failure. The odds of someone who is dealing with a mental illness not feeling well at 6 a.m. is probably pretty good. So if you're going to set a time, you may need to set a different time frame for days where 6 a.m. is going to be a problem. In other words, you're going to have to build into your goal setting the limits of your illness. Now, sometimes goal setting and planning 
can be even too much for the illness. The illness itself, and I have felt this, rejects the idea of being tied down to particular time frames and events. It wants to be free. And as much as you can resist this feeling, the better you're going to likely be. But I also understand its power. And sometimes you're going to have to work with it. Doing things like reading a few verses and then doing something else for a while and then returning to the scriptures might also be an option. I personally understand if you need to work around those feelings. I have far too many times to count. What is important is that you do establish appropriate goals and work towards them. Success as far as goals and what you're trying to accomplish needs to be tailored towards the illness and its difficulties. If you set goals as if you don't have an illness, I can just about promise that you're not going to enjoy the outcome. Now, finally, I think it's important to address the idea of success and what success means to someone who has a mental illness. First of all, understand that every day you are going to take medications if that's part of what you do. You're going to work with counseling. You're going to do your best in your work and goals and managing illness. And then it is, and if you've done these things, it's a successful day. A great deal of time is going to go into manage illness, managing the illness. And some days it will seem that it takes everything you have just to manage your own illness. That is just fine. Your first goal should always be good management of the illness, because without that, you're certainly not going to attain any of your other goals. There are going to be times when you feel that your management is not very good because the illness tells you so. Again, try to avoid taking the temperatures of the emotions of the time and how you are doing when the episode strikes, no matter how much your mind and body want to do it. Management is a longer-term goal than one day or one week, and it can be difficult to understand if you're managing it well or not so well by just doing so a day at a time. Sometimes it's helpful to keep even a daily journal with some indicators as to how you're doing with the illness so that you can look back over months to see progress. Second, one can certainly look at the concrete physical goals and see how one is doing over time. With goals, it's important to have a short-term memory about anything you missed or didn't get done. Better to forgive and forget and move forward than to be stuck on the idea that you, that one missed assignment, a Sunday class, a personal reading goal is complete and utter, utter failure, and you might as well give up. Each day, new day, and you continue to manage the illness and do what you can to progress spiritually and physically based on your abilities and limitations. Your measurements should never be compared to others or any standard outside of scriptural and church standards. And you should be con continually conscious that things might need to change to better suit your personal conditions. Like I stated in the last podcast, we should be reaching to attain goals, but not so much reaching that you're causing undue stress on the illness, pushing one towards greater episodes in the illness, or more distress. I know that's a difficult thing to do. I know that very well. And to know when to pull back and when to reach forward. It does get easier with time in the sense of understanding one's limitations. As far as telling others about your goals and having them help and keep you accountable, that is a good idea. You will need to have someone, though, that understands your limitation and is willing to push when needed, but also willing to pull you back if they see things are not right. They're going to need to be as flexible as you will need to be. Now, I have saved the final note in this episode for last because of its importance. The reality of successful living is really understanding the standards with, with, the, with which the Lord judges you and to have him help you in the setting of goals and monitoring of success. Really, the only individual 
slash God that can really tell you how you are doing is the Lord. The goals, ideas, thoughts, and feelings of accomplishment really should come from Him. This is a normal part of personal prayer and reflection. Reviewing your life with the Lord on a regular basis is where true success is really measured. Now, having said that, I realize that mental illness can and does hamper seriously one's ability to hear and receive these messages. I'm unlikely to feel successful in a deep depression or during a serious anxiety attack. Now, this makes goal setting and successful living certainly far more difficult. I have discussed in the past the Lord can and does alter his methods of receiving revelation based on the limitations of the person. While I know that mental illness does not lend itself to hearing the Lord on a regular basis, I believe that the Lord is still speaking and that he can and will use other methods to let you know how you are doing. It may not come in a way that you desire or a way that you want, but it will come. I know that even with those moments of revelation and clarification, life is going to be difficult. And when it comes to evaluating success and where you stand in eternal matters, when the Lord does speak, it's going to be important to write it down and reflect upon the revelation so that during moments of doubt, which are going to come, that you can refer back to what has been said. And the Lord can reconfirm that. Remember that the Lord is very merciful, especially to those suffering with this illness. We should try to be as merciful to ourselves as the Lord is to us, meaning that we should be far more merciful than we are when we're trying to measure our own success. In the end, all that matters is what the Lord thinks of you. He's given you a unique illness and by so doing has provided a unique method of training. I'm not always sure why those of us who suffer must pass through the more obscure mists of darkness and doubt nor why this is the pathway the Lord has chosen for us. But we can be assured that he has chosen it for us. And by so doing, he will help us to hear and know what he desires for us and our standing with him. And that includes how successful we are being in our lives. For now, we must fight the good fight, and the Lord will do his part.